The MTG Podcast is a virtual space for women and men in the tech and creative industries. Tune in as we put it all on the table, sharing authentic life truths as we sustain and empower each other in search of our tribe. We're more than a designer. We're more than our name badge. We're more than the work we produce. Welcome to the More Than Graphics Podcast. We're, We're that, that tribe. tribe. Woo! I love that intro. It's one of my favorites now. Um, it just it just captures the feel of everything. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I would rewind well, that and watch that multiple times. That was an awesome intro. <laughs> Yay! Hey, I'm doing my job. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, for those who are new, welcome. Welcome to this bonus episode of the More Than Graphics Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Cicely. And together, we are United Forces for Women in Tech and Women Creatives. And I love the fact that we can always come back to this virtual safe space where we can celebrate, educate, elevate, uh, and even kind of hold each other's hands um, in some spaces in regards to women in tech and women creatives. So I'm really excited for this episode as we talk about Women's History Month, right? We're celebrating, honoring women. And I love this theme of March, as we talked about already in some elevated topics around Clubhouse, right, Cicely? And I think it's it's just right on time that we bring in other amazing women who are doing and creating and and trailblazing uh, paths in their own lanes. And our guest today is definitely one of them. (laughs) Um, So, Cicely, just to kind of catch up a little bit on Women's History Month, is there anything that kind of has stood out to you this month in particular? Um, I would just say that like I've just a lot of social media content surrounding Women's History Month and just like really there's been messages of just putting it out there how awesome women really are and like the the barriers we've overcome, the things that we do day to day that are, you know, taken for granted. I've seen so many um, like think pieces and articles about like the work that women do in the home as well, like the work that we're not paid to do, right? Like the organizing, the shuttling kids back and forth, the planning the management the project management like you know getting things together for pets and things like that like that so much of that is unpaid labor and i think there's um there's been several pieces about this like not just recently but like in the last couple of years like what the value of that work was and it's six figures like women would be making six figures if you could mod- like if you if a company was paying us and monetizing the type of work that we do we'd be making well into six figures but then you know we sometimes are not making six figures at our nine to five jobs. Then we come home and then you have like, you know, an additional four to six hours more of work to do. Mm. So we're literally working overtime, but we're not getting um, the compensation we deserve for the work that we do. So I think women's history month is a great time to really reflect on the women that came before us and also look at where we stand now in society as women and how we can continue to advance and make life better for our daughters and their daughters and their daughters and their daughters. Ooh, girl, that was so eloquently put. Like, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> y'all take notes. Uh, Cicely's on fire tonight. I absolutely love that you bring that up because I feel like in a lot of ways, I have seen um, a lot more focus on that bonus work, right? That after hours work. Or even more highlighting not only the nine to five, but the nine to nine, right? The lifestyle yeah. that women are having to uh, unfortunately work in order to maintain just a base level of output or sustainability for themselves. So I really love the fact that you said that because I do see more of that becoming more of a balance in marketing. When we talk about Women's History Month, when we talk about celebrating, honoring women of any background, 
But I also feel like that we're starting to better understand that there is a gap in what we can do to start equalizing and balancing that gap so that we are seen just as valuable as our male counterparts. Um, we have that value, but the backing of that value, that's the part that's always kind of been more yes. flimsy, more flexible, not as dependable um, in areas, um, especially in areas of corporate America where literally the backbone of corporate America is women. Um, and I really hope that women who are in listening range of this um, find a way to celebrate themselves in some way or fashion. Grab your wine, grab your chocolate, grab your pup, grab your husband. Maybe that's maybe that's a partner. <laughs> <laughs> and celebrate yourself um, because this month is all about um, the excellence of women. So I'm really excited because it is all women in here every day, all the time, 24 7 inside MTG. So I'm just gonna keep celebrating um, our darn selves in a matter of factly. Um, and now moving on to our guest, who is also. Um, someone in her own lane is merely making some spaces and some moves around ghostwriting, around content building. And I really am excited because it's someone that I personally know. It's someone that I actually have sat side by side with at a couple of different conferences here and there. Um, someone that I have actually scanned her shirt probably without telling her about <laughs> her shirt. Um, I'm really excited. So welcome, Lynn. Cicely, would you like to introduce our guest? Absolutely. Lynn Iliquity Smargus is an author, speaker, podcast producer, ghostwriter, and content marketing specialist who works with speakers and service-based business owners using content marketing to establish their credibility online. She is currently producing two podcasts, Travel Gluten-Free, which assists people with celiac disease and those who are gluten-free because of medical reasons, on how to eat out and safely travel. Her second podcast, The Marketeer's Mastermind, serves our community of speakers and service-based service business owners with marketing advice to create their digital marketing plan. Lynn is an avid, avid ideator and writer who enjoys delivering quality content in which their readers will receive value. She writes between 2,000 and 8,000 words per day, amazing, and is currently in the process of writing and publishing four books in 2023. Lynn currently splits her time between her home in Olympia, Washington, and her farm in McMinnville, Oregon, the latter of which lies in the middle of wine and hazelnut country. When she's not writing, Lynn enjoys playing with their three dogs, yay, snuggling with her two cats, traveling, painting, reading, meditation, studying Buddhism, outdoor activities, and flying with her pilot husband, Jeff, in their airplane. Welcome, Lynn. Iliquity. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I just love, I love your bio. And I also love the fact that, <laughs> I love the fact it's that fine. I need most of this. Like, okay, hazel and wine, hazelnut and wine, explain. Like, yes. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, so so I'm actually right now recording from my farm in McMinnville in my home office here. And so McMinnville is a little town. It's 35,000 people. It's an hour south of Portland. And a lot of people don't know this about Oregon. And I didn't know until I started looking for a house here last year is that Oregon has a very mild climate. Like it does snow, but it usually like last last week was weird. Like climate change is completely weirding it out because we got like a foot and a half of snow, which is 
totally wow. not normal for Oregon. So normally it's like snows a little bit melts. We don't get hard freezes. So it's green all year round. And so we have a kind of like a Mediterranean like climate. So we like my neighbor across the street has a thousand acres and most of them have been most of his acres has vineyards on it. So we can grow like grapes, um, hazelnuts, like there's tons of hazelnuts all over here. Um, and if you've ever eaten Nutella, 95% of Nutella's hazelnuts come from the town I live in. Wow. That's I amazing. Right now. Yep. Who knew? Yep. And it is the home of Pinot Grigio. And let me tell you, if you ever want to buy a lot of wine, come to McMinnville because there is wine like every, every, like I am not joking. Every supermarket has cases and cases and cases. Like wow. you will never go dry of wine in McMinnville. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like I need to take a road trip. Like, I know, so it's like Oregon, sounding good. How about you? Yes. <laughs> well, we'll have a guest bedroom this summer. So you both are invited to come along. Perfect. Got, so deep. We have eight. We have eight wine tasting rooms in our tiny little historic downtown. That's wow. amazing. Wow. There's over I've never five. Heard of this place? Like I'm on. Yeah, I know. Now, and like, there's over 500 vineyards in our county. 500 vineyards. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is so impressive. Okay, yeah. so for all the wine lovers out there, now you know where your next destination needs to be. Absolutely. Um, if you love wine, McMinnville is the place to be. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, I love this. Okay, so in in kind of and kind of using wine there, um, you know, use grapes to make wine, that sort of feel. Um, you have a little bit of a really nice business in in terms of ghostwriting, um, and I kind of want to dive into kind of what that is. Yeah. And and how and how that works for the average, you know, person who's looking for one. Yeah. So ghostwriting, basically, it's actually a lot broader than most people think. Most people think like of ghostwriting, like somebody writes someone's book, but they don't put their name on the book. And that's that's very common when people think. But actually, technically, ghostwriting is when you hire anybody to write for you and you, they don't put their name on it. So like if I write blogs for somebody, I'm technically ghostwriting. But really, people more think of that as content marketing. But it actually is ghostwriting because I'm not authoring it. And I, it's not a guest blog post. So um, but with ghostwriting is like when people mainly think of it is that someone comes to me and they either have an idea for a book or they have a book partly or mostly written and they need help finishing the book and then publishing it. And so I have two different ways I help people. One is a like a monthly where I do book coaching along with writing their book. And then I have a package where or like I just give them a price and then they just give me all their content. And then I check in with them every once in a while, write their book until it's finished. And then if they need help with marketing their book, I do that as well. Um, or if they need help with like formatting and book cover, that kind of design too. Okay, we're all taking notes. Like, um, I love this because what you do actually alleviates so much. And I'm speaking from personal experience. <laughs> like, I feel like this alleviates so much off of people's plates when they talk about uh, the idea of writing a book. You know, some a lot of people go into this kind of process, right, of writing, which is really important and good to get out. But the other part of that is also kind of releasing that work. And I think like you help alleviate that release uh, for a lot of people who are are kind of you know this is my baby this is my pride like no one else can write this but me for those who are kind of in that hoarding ish space um you can really help alleviate that process and kind of help them more process the overall scope and range of publishing a book right i just feel like 
that is so helpful. And especially for so many of us in these tech and creative spaces where we're kind of laser focused only in one specific area. Um, I really love the idea that ghostwriting kind of helps broaden that process out a little bit and allows them also to kind of step back and look for more full picture and put energy in areas where they may not have to if they were, weren't so laser focused in just chapter one or chapter 53 right. or things along those lines. And a lot of the things I do with book, book coaching too is that people have these preconceived notions like their book has to be a certain amount of words or like you have to work on chapter one first or um, like, or they, like they'll bounce ideas off me. Like my current client, I have, I'm one of the clients I'm working with right now. Um, she was like, oh, how do, like, what chapter do you think we should make, uh, use for my lead magnet for my book? Because uh, I gave her the idea of like, hey, for your, like, you need to market, because you need to market your book three months before it comes out. That's like optimal. And not everybody does that, but that's really um, the optimal way to market it. And I suggested to her, let's take a chapter of your book and we're going to use that as a lead magnet before the book goes on sale. And so she loved that idea. We are going to pick chapter one, but we ended up picking chapter three. Um, I can't tell you what it is, but I will tell you, it is going to be an amazing female book. Um, and it's from Jana Swan, who has a podcast that calls that's called Happy, Healthy, and Horny. So definitely check it out. <laughs> oh, don't forget to unmute, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing what you just said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I'm saying, look at you dropping gems already. I love this. Um, I love the fact too that, again, you're helping people in that process. And I love the wisdom that you're giving. Is there like a, a type of top three or generalized tips as far as people who want to use um, a ghostwriter? Yeah. So if you're looking to use a ghostwriter, some tips I would give to you is number one, you have to get along with them. Like your personalities have to click. If your personalities don't click, you are going to be like hell in a hand basket, dumpster fire experience. Like it's going to be so bad because it's basically, they're going to basically going to be your partner for the next six to six to 12 months. So if you don't get along with them, that's not a good choice, no matter how experienced they are. So you have to get along with your ghostwriter. Another piece of advice I always give people is um, always ask the ghostwriter um, if they have a contract, like if they if they require you to work with them for a certain period of time. Um, and what services do they do besides ghostwriting? Because some ghostwriters will also do book editing like I do, but some ghostwriters just do book writing and they don't do editing. Um, and some offer book formatting like I do, but some don't. So always ask them, like, because some people want like a, a one-stop shop um, and want their ghostwriter to help them with everything or at least have people in their network to help them. And then some people just want specific items done. Um, another thing is that um, you don't have to have, like, you... You, you can start using a ghostwriter at any point in your book writing process. So if you're like two chapters in and you're really frustrated and you, you're having a hard time coming up with ideas, find a ghostwriter to help you, even if it's just to get through a few chapters. Some ghostwriters will do that. You have to ask them. But there's no right or wrong time to work with a ghostwriter. Um, I would say the only wrong time to work with a ghostwriter is if you don't, if you don't want to write a book. <laughs> but other than that, um, anytime is really a good time to work with a ghostwriter. You can start, like I've had clients that had a book finished and they just needed some editing. Um, and I've had clients who like, you know, they're just starting from their idea. So, um, it's really a good, you think of your ghostwriter as kind of like your, your book confidant coach. Um, and they're going to help you, um, and some ghostwriters do this, some don't, but a lot of them will help you through 
the writing process and give you like information and help you like make your book a better book, which is what a really good quality ghostwriter is going to do. Not just write your book for you, but make it a better book and give you suggestions on how to make your book a better quality book that your readers are going to get more value out of. I love this. Um, this is so, this is teaching me, y'all, really. <laughs> I created this episode for myself. Um, I, I, pretty much I also have a discovery brain. call calendar, <laughs> Danielle. <laughs> I need to do it. I need to do it. Every, every time we have these discussions, I'm like, ooh. We need to ooh, talk ooh, about I your book. Like, hey, man. Um, I absolutely love this because again, going into processes, I'm a process person. I love seeing how systems work efficiently. I love the fact that you give this extra bonus, like the coaching, the understanding of the elements of a good store, elements of a good book and what to look out for, for your clients that invest in you to tell them, Hey, this hasn't, this isn't so hot. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. Or in, in the one particular area, maybe we can break this into two chapters instead of one, like. I feel like that sound advice, that common sense advice is what's missing um, in some areas for ghostwriters who are just kind of more um, typical, uh, I won't say medical book, but, you know, the, the mm-hmm. typical mythology book, story, writing, developing. So I really, I really appreciate you being uh, sensible and kind of sharing some of those uh, behind the scenes moments where you can really help other people write a book. Yeah. And another thing also too, kind of going back to like when you're considering hiring a ghostwriter or especially a book editor, um, have them do like a sample page. A lot of people will just do like a sample, not a chapter, but a page. Because one of the things you want to be really careful with, with an editor is some book editors are, they want to rewrite your whole book because they don't think it sounds right. And that's Mm -hmm. your voice and style. Like that's what I always preserve for my clients. Like, yes, I'm writing their book, but it's not my book. Like I can write my own book and my own voice and style. I can write those all year. But for my clients, I really do. I really do my best to preserve their voice and style in their book because this is their project. Um, no matter how much I work on it, it's their work. So I really respect that. That's amazing. I love that you, I love that you said that even though like you're, there are two things I love that you said that you're like, even though someone's hiring you to do this work, it's not like it's an employee employer sort of situation. It's a collaboration. Like you're working with them, with their ideas, with their content, just to make it better. So I love that you said that. Like, it's not like a, you hire me and then like, I just do whatever I want. (laughs) There's no collaboration. I think especially like in the creative process, as someone who has a degree in English (laughs) and creative writing, it's very important that like, you cannot take away my voice or my style or, you know, some of the things that make me, me, like that make me as a writer who I am. And like you said, you can write a million books on your own, but preserving the identity and preserving like the, the voice and the style, like that's so important. And speaking of just kind of like, we had the tips and tricks for, you know, people who wanted to hire a ghostwriter. So kind of thinking more of like early career or people who are looking to pivot careers, what advice would you give um, to someone? I would say like the three things that you've learned in your ghostwriting journey, what advice would you give to someone looking to become a ghostwriter or looking like for, you know, early career or looking to pivot into ghostwriting who may have um, a passion for writing or experience in writing and enjoys writing as well? So I would say, um, like, find a friend or a a person, like a colleague who needs a book and and write their book for them, like, at cost, like, at a very low price, just to see if you like it. Because um, a lot of writers don't like ghostwriting. 
Like I was surprised at the number of my writer friends who love to write and do different, you know, content writers, but they don't like to do ghostwriting specifically. And that I love doing ghostwriting. That's actually my favorite, um, my favorite uh, work with clients is ghostwriting. So I would say if you're looking to become a ghostwriter, A, you have to love writing. If you don't love writing, forget it. Like that's on the table. It's going to be like bamboo underneath your fingernails if you don't like writing. So that's the first thing. You have to love writing. Um, you have to know how to talk with people and communicate with people and do back and forth. And then when somebody, when, uh, when you're working with your client um, and collaborating with them, they really do have the last word on how it's written. And so um, you can't override them, even if you feel like the way you're doing it is right. So if you have an issue with like somebody telling you, no, I don't want to do what you're professionally advising me, I would say, don't be a ghostwriter, because that's going to be really stressful for you as a ghostwriter. If somebody comes back and says, no, I don't like this. I like it this way. So those are definitely some things to consider. Um, it is you, you do have to do a lot of networking when you're a ghostwriter. So if you don't like networking, this is definitely not the job for you. Um, and um, what else? Um, you have to be able to like sit down at the computer and do like two hour work blocks because you can't sit down and go write someone's book for a half an hour and then stop and then do something else. Cause you'll never get their book done. It's just going to take too long. Um, cause it usually takes about 10 to 15 minutes to really get into the zone. And so, and that's of course, if I don't have my cats jumping on my computer or my one cat Hemingway tried to type for me. Um, so, so that's another thing you need to consider is you need to be able to do work blocks and then you need to know when to get up, take a break, come back. And so that's the, that would definitely be my advice for anybody who is thinking about getting into ghostwriting. I love that. And I love the very real advice. Like the fact that you're like, if you don't love it, then you just need to find something else to do. Oh yeah. And I think I didn't even consider this as well, like the networking part of it. Like I was just thinking like, oh, you know, you can just, what is it like put your shingle out and just like, you know, make your website and then maybe make an Instagram and keep it moving. I didn't think about just the networking portion of it as well. So probably being extroverted or at least liking to talk to people to some extent would definitely be good. But thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my ghost, my friends that do do ghostwriting, actually, I think I'm the only extrovert writer that I know. I'm sure there's somebody else out there, but a lot of writers are introverts. So you can be a successful ghostwriter and be an introvert. Um, it's just more, more like you, I mean, you definitely have to do one-to-one -one networking. You don't necessarily have to go to big conferences, but definitely one-to-one -one networking. Ooh, I love this. Um, this is also how Lynn and I got to meet was literally networking at a conference. So that makes she podcasts. Sense. <laughs> yes. I saw you on the couch of she podcasts. I'm like, that girl has an amazing outfit. So I came over, sat next to Danielle, started talking to her. Yeah, that she was an amazing person that went along with the outfit. So yes. <laughs> that was awesome. That was really cool. I thought the same thing. I was like, she's so cool. Look at her shirt. <laughs> I just had a t-shirt on. You had like a fabulous yellow outfit on when I met you. <laughs> yes. Um, someone complimented that they thought I was Wonder Woman or at least attempting to be like cosplaying as a Wonder Woman. I was like, oh. Yes. I, I, okay. I'll take it. <laughs> you were the sun, Sunder Woman because you had it was a very sunny outfit. Yes. <laughs> Feeling it. Oh, wow. Make a girl blush over here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, so I'm kind of curious about like more into the process. So um, for people who want to like repurpose their content into a book, how would you go about that? Or how do you yeah. do that? So if you want to repurpose, so the one, the one biggest rule when you're repurposing your content into a book, you can't just take your content and slap it in a book. 
because that's what's known in our community as a blog book and blog books don't read well because they don't flow at all. So you can't just take your blog or your podcast audio script it and throw it in because it, it doesn't work because as we know, like talking is different than reading a book and different than writing a blog than writing SEO content. So what you need to do if you have a podcast or a vlog or a video channel and you want to make it or a blog and you want to make it into a book, the first thing you need to do is it's what's called a mind map and a mind map. It's a, it's, it's a new thing in, in writing. I used to do mind maps over a decade ago when I was a teacher. I used to teach my kids mind mapping. So it isn't a new thing. It's been in teaching for a while. So just all you people out there who are like, oh, mind maps are such a cool new thing. They've been around for a while. It's just coming out now. <laughs> and so you want to do a mind map and uh, or an outline. If you like, if you know how to do a traditional outline, like I'm old school, I was raised in a Catholic school. We wrote outlines. Oh my gosh. I, I think I wrote, I was like, I think I had trauma from writing outlines. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so I like doing mind maps cause I'm not a linear thinker either. And so a mind map, basically, um, if you don't know what it is, just look up, what is a mind map? You can find information anywhere, but it's basically kind of like a graphic visualization of your content. And so you have your topic in the middle and then each thing coming off the side of that is a chapter. And then everything coming off chapters are information you're putting in the chapters. So once you have your mind map, then you go back and look at your information that you have, the content that you have and see where it fits in. And then you have to originally write the other pieces that go into the other chapters that you don't have content for. And so if you are a content producer already, you probably have half a book. And then, of course, depending on how long you want the book, if it's fiction or nonfiction, all these things, you know, make a difference in how long it takes you to like mind map and create your book from your content that you have. Oh, my gosh, this was so spot on. She literally just gave you a very quick book mantle like breakdown outline of what to do. I love this. I'm a sucker for outlines. I also come from a long, a long Catholic background of understanding how important outlines were. And so that was for me in my brain, like, oh yeah, like I just need to put this in the middle, branch this out, um, a couple bullet points under each one and I can fit, I can do this. Um, this makes me feel better about writing my book. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. And another thing, another thing you want to realize too, uh, when you're writing a book is that, um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, there is no right or, or wrong, like, like number of words. Like people always ask me like, oh, how many words should it be? And it's like, it right. really depends on what you want to do. Like, do you want to do a book series? Um, you know, do you want to do like one book? I, I definitely would not. So one of my clients, I definitely would not recommend this. Um, he made his first, like historic, I think it's like historical fiction book. Um, and he made it 160,000 words. Wow. And I was like, no, no, no. This is like four, four in a series. Like, you know, and he's like, no, no, I want the whole story to be told. I'm like, no, no, no. Your, your whole story can be told in four series, like a 40,000. And he insisted on making this Bible. And I was like, okay, it's your, it's your project. Like, okay. So, <laughs> but yeah, but, um, and, and there are some general rules you want to follow, but, but people, I think people, when they think about writing a book, they think there's all these rules you have to follow. And there, and there really isn't because it's also a very creative process. So you're going back and forth a lot, if you, especially if you have a ghostwriter. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you might work on chapter two and then chapter eight and then chapter one. And then you may end up, you usually end up switching chapters around. And another thing I always recommend to people when they're writing a book is this is how I write my books and my clients' books. And so when a lot of people think of writing a book, they think, oh, I'll just get a Word document and start writing. And that's okay. But the thing with putting everything on one Word document is it's, if you're looking for something in chapter eight, 
that's really hard to find if it's on one Word document. So what I do is I put each chapter on a separate Google Doc. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I do that is twofold. One is because if I want to move chapters, it's super easy to move chapters by changing the chapter number on them. Um, and I don't have to go and copy and paste anything. The second is that if when I get to my beta reader part and I need people to read and comment, I can easily share, I can just make a copy of my folder and easily share that copy with anybody. And then they can comment um, on my book. And so then I can get beta reader information super easy without having to send things out to people and wait for them to come back and all that stuff. So when you, if you are writing a book, I would definitely recommend taking each chapter and putting it on a different Google doc because it makes your writing and organization so much easier and efficient. Oh my gosh. These are great tips and tricks. I love this. I love this. Um, Cicely, I know for you, are you interested in writing a book? Let me ask you this question. Just from this conversation alone, do you oh. feel like you could go through this process? <laughs> no, ma'am. Mm -mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I love to write, but I feel um, that writing a book, it would just take too much out of me. Like I, it'll take the joy, it'll suck the joy right out of writing well, for me. Here's a little so. trick for writing, Cicely, if you, if you don't like writing as in writing a book. So some of my clients, what they do is they audio record their chapter, like they do their mind map oh. outline, they audio record, throw it through Descript or another um, transcription service, and then they have their basis for their book. So they are writing a book, but they're doing it with audio recording, which is easier for them because they don't like typing writing. That is smart. And I like it. I think I'm sticking to my journal for now. <laughs> I just, I've not been inspired to write one yet. So I feel like, you know, everyone has a story. Everyone has something they could write about, but I feel like when I have something that I feel is like that profound, to share than I will. So I'm not like ruling it out forever. I did yes. go to college to get a degree in English and creative writing. So eventually it's going to come back into my life at some point. But just for now, like I, I get my daily fix by almost daily journaling. But I love, like I said, I don't, I'm of course, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea. Just when the inspiration strikes, I got to wait until then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I currently have like 16 books in my phone that I want to write. It used to be more like That's 30 amazing. or 40, but then yeah. I went in my phone one day and realized, oh my gosh, some of these books are actually chapters for other books and like sat down one night and literally like papered it all out on my notebook and figured out I actually have 16 books. So that's amazing. Like just the fact that oh. you have the passion and the ideas and the inspiration for 16, what was originally like 40 different projects into 16, like that in itself, like tells me that you are hundred percent meant to do what you're doing currently. So, yeah. I, ideation is one of my top it. three skills. I, I, and that's one of the things like one of the things I have that not a lot of writers have too, that I bring to the table for my clients is like, I literally never get writer's block. Like I literally never, and I'm not like bragging. It's just, I have, I, I, since ideation is one of my top three skills based on my Clifton strengths assessment test. Um, I, I just, oh, I always have more ideas that I can use. And when I'm talking to people and they're talking to me, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I like have 10 ideas and I can't tell them all 10 because they'd be like, what's this crazy lady giving me all this advice that I don't really need. So <laughs> I love it. But I think that's amazing. And that like that kind of leads me into my next question, just in terms of so like clearly we know that you have an abundance of strengths and that you are super talented. But um, what are is there a challenge that you've excuse me, is there a challenge that you've encountered um, thus far in your ghostwriting career? And how did you overcome that challenge? Well, as I say, one, one of my strengths is definitely not Photoshop. So don't ever ask me to do Photoshop. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> um, so. 
challenging ghostwriting. I don't, I'm just trying to think of like what I think, I don't know. I mean, honestly, ghostwriting plays so much of my strengths. I don't ever feel like I was challenged as a ghostwriter. Um, I think the only thing I think a lot of us deal with is just having enough clients in the pipeline, like consistently. So like, you know, you get those months where you have like 12 clients and then you get the next month where you have three. And so I think that's probably the one thing I can think of is just because a lot of people like to publish in September. So you have that dry season between like November and uh, like January, February. And so now I'm getting more ghostwriting clients again. So that's probably my biggest uh, challenge is just, you know, finding those ghostwriting clients in the dry season, especially during the holidays. Like no one wants to write during the holidays, which I totally get that which is probably a good time for me to write my books. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I feel that. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the holiday. Like I feel like it's my, my hone in time, the holiday season. Sometimes it can get a little cray, but I have a lot of time to myself during the holidays, more so than the rest of the year, just because of our blended family schedule. So holiday season for me might be like the time um, to yeah. really kind of knock out some things. But I really love a lot of the feedback and a lot of the wisdom that you're sharing, especially in and around people who are wanting to use a ghostwriter. And I love all the existential bonus things that just naturally come both with your personality and your quirkiness and your knowledge base. I love this because it's such a huge reflection of what other people can do if they're interested in ghostwriting for people who are looking for a ghostwriter. Um, I, I really just love all the content and the info that you're sharing today. So I really appreciate that. Um, and we'll be like illustrating mind maps for the rest of the year now. Thank you so much. Cause we'll have this one graphic and we'll be all know, okay, that was Lynn. Like we know. Um, so we see it on social. It's a mind map. We may put Lynn's face on it. <laughs> well, the great thing about mind maps too is they're really good for any type of project planning you're doing, not just books. They're just such a great because I'm such a visual person, um, and I love like writing. Like when I'm uh, ideating, it's usually I'm writing. I'm not typing ideating, and so yeah, they're great for any kind of ideation that you need to organize your thoughts. Um, and another way I did a mind map, which was really fun, was um, I went on Amazon and bought these like magnetic wipe like marker wipe off um labels and I had this big whiteboard and I oh. wrote ID I wrote stuff on it and then I put it on my whiteboard and I could easily move it around because it's magnetic. Oh that's so clever. Oh I love that and I like the the visualness right that's the part that's super cool is that you can visually see and visually see that idea. Um that is so neat. Okay note to self um if you have a certain brand that you like to use like let us know so we can share that with our audience. If they have their own little whiteboard they want to create and mind map some cool stuff. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't have a certain brand. It's just, I just went on Amazon and just look off, look up like uh, magnetic uh, wipe off marker labels and, and just, just, just one thing. Don't put them where your kids can reach them. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> then really you don't have them anymore. <laughs> They'll magically disappear. <laughs> yes. Almost like the ideas that we don't claim yet. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. my goodness. Um, I definitely have like a lot of questions in around um, your childhood, actually. I would love to know what you wanted to be growing up and does that reflect kind of what you do now? So what I wanted to be growing up completely does not reflect what I'm doing Because right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the environment I grew up in was a very abusive environment. So when I was a kid, I was, I've always been into like science and technology, even from when I was like, like I remember being five years old and seeing a periodic table and I didn't know what it was. And I asked somebody and I was like, I want to be a chemist when I grow up. 
And then I wanted to be an astronaut when I was like 10. And my mom wouldn't send me to astronaut school because that was for boys. Yeah. And so, <laughs> right. Oh yeah. My mom was such a girls do this and boys do this. It's like, no, 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 no. So anyway, yeah. But one of the things I wanted to be when I was little was a teacher and I, I did become a teacher. I taught science, technology, and coding to kids for a decade. So that was really fun. I really enjoyed working with kids. And then I got really burned out by teaching 213 year olds every day and got into writing. <laughs> That makes perfect sense, but I can see the alignment, right? When we get the burnout, we have to pivot and find another way to go. And you were still yeah. able to use all the ideation that you probably had with coding and with children, with children, and moving on to you know using that for writing for grownups. And I really think that's that is a little bit of a parallel there. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, and I actually had besides this business, I've had three other businesses, and I always like did the web, like my own website and my own blogs and stuff like that. So I have a lot of writing experience. It just wasn't for other people; it was all for myself. So I just kind of brought that over. But oh my gosh, let me tell you, when you're writing like a few thousand words a day, your writing gets better really fast. <laughs> I bet it's like a well, yeah, it's iron sharpens iron a little bit, right? Like yes. Yeah. And, and that's that. the thing is like some people, when they hire a ghostwriter, they hire a ghostwriter because they feel like they don't have the writing skill. But one of the things I tell people is like, if you want to write your own book and you've never written a book before, start small, like start with like 10 minutes a day, put on a timer and just write and like just brain dump. Like that's another thing is people are always so worried about when they write that the first thing they write is good. It doesn't matter if it's good. It can be complete crap Just start writing and get into the habit so that you can get into the practice so that that practice snowballs. And then you do like 15 minutes a day and then you do like a half an hour so that you can, because when you do that consistently, you will get a book done. Ah, sorry, I couldn't come off of me. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I think that's amazing advice. And I think that's kind of like one of the hardest things with entrepreneurship with like, just it's getting started, right? Like that's one yeah. of the hardest things to do. Like, of course, there's challenges with business. You talked about, you know, having the dry season, having seasons that are a little bit slower. But the hardest part, I think, is kind of our recurring theme through all the seasons of doing MTG, the podcast. The hardest part of just about anything is just getting started. Right, um, right. So since you mentioned just kind of like, I mean, it was great advice for the 10 minutes a day and to build up. What are some also like what also what are tools that you use in terms of writing, like to become a better writer? Like, for example, Omar, there's Grammarly, which is one of my favorite things in the world. I love Grammarly. I'm considering premium, but what are some of the things that you suggest um, for people who are trying to be ghostwriters or just to improve your writing overall in general tools that you can use that help you do that? Yeah, actually, I, I do have the premium version. And let me tell you, it is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> Because one of the things I use it for is when clients are like, oh, I have this blog and I need it rewritten. I want to make sure and check it's not plagiarized first because I'm not going to rewrite it if it's, yeah, if it's plagiarized or, or edited, if it's plagiarized. But one of the things actually Grammarly has been a great tool for me to help me learning because I like we consistently do the same mistakes over and over again because we're creatures of habit. And so I would see like it's always like you're too wordy, you're too wordy, you're too wordy. I'm like, hmm, I think I'm too wordy. <laughs> So it's helping me really realize the mistakes that I make on a regular basis so that I don't do them as often. Um, and another thing, it was funny, we were talking about this in my writers group uh, a couple of weeks ago, is that all of us who are old school, who used to put two spaces after the period, Grammarly keeps nailing us. It's like one space, one space. <laughs> They're like, no, it's supposed to be two. So, um, but yeah, just like literally just writing every day helps you become a better writer. And then I would say also, if you can join a writer's group, 
that's super helpful. Like the writers group I'm in is amazing. It's called the Daily Writer all, um, and it's from Kent Sounders. So if you're looking for a great writing group, definitely join the Daily Writer. Tell them Lynn sent you. Um, it's an amazing group because we're all very supportive of each other. And a lot of us write for a living, but like none of us are competitive and like, oh, we're going to, you know, whatever. And so um, join a writer's group because they will give you good constructive criticism. Don't give your writing to your family members because they'll be like, oh, it's so nice. That's not what you need as a writer. Like you don't want someone to tell you your work is amazing or your work sucks because that's not helping you become a better writer. You want somebody to tell you, oh, I think this flow would be better. I think it would be better if you worded it this way or if you took out this word, or if you developed this character like this, or like asking you questions about your writing, like, why did you feel like this? Or why did you do this? Or how did you come to this conclusion? So you want that good constructive criticism. You don't want the stuff from your friends and family that either tell you you suck or you're really good because that doesn't help you become a better writer. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. And you convinced me. <laughs> She's the, the walking advertisement for Grammarly now. You're, you must work in their sales department because now I'm convinced. That was what I needed to push me over the edge. Thank you. <laughs> I wish I did. But no, Grammarly is, it literally shaves so much time off my work when I'm editing stuff because <clears throat> the thing is, is like grammar checking. Yes, anybody can grammar check. And I could, like, I know some of my writer friends do it, still do it like on their own. But for me, I way more enjoy the process of actually creating and then just, and then, you know, doing my basic grammar check and then throwing it in Grammarly. Um, and I can always tell when I'm really tired because I have way more mistakes <laughs> in my writing <laughs> than when I'm not tired and it's early in the morning and I have like three mistakes. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, I feel like it's such a great tool because not only does it grammar check and it saves you that time, but then you really spend more time focusing on doing better quality work and not worrying about your grammar because, because worrying about your grammar, it's like any, you know, it's like, it's grammar checking. It's not really like, uh, I mean, it is a skill, but not really anybody can learn how to do it, but learning how to be a good quality writer is way more important than being a better grammar checker. Amen. I heard that. That was from the book of Lynn. Um, <laughs> I, I Volume have... one, verse <laughs> two. Yes. Yes. Volume one. Yes. I love it. Um, I absolutely love this conversation. I love that this is, um, this is something, honestly, I'm, 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 my hands are already up. I've been up for a while before this episode, but I know that Lynn is going to probably go write my book. So this is probably an area that I am really paying attention to um, because I love the tips and tricks. I love the bonus content. Um, Lynn already cares a lot of the quirks and voice and tone that I already kind of carry anyway, which I know is a good alignment feature for using a ghostwriter. So, um, yeah, I'm just really excited about where this is going to go and how many other people are learning from this process as well. And just learning about what you do, how you do it and how you present the extra bonus content as well. Um, I hope people that are really listening to this and saying, you know what, I need to hire Lynn, like, that's a no brainer. What can I do to like get in her face? Um, so to make it a little easier for everybody, um, how do they get in, in your face? How, how do yeah. they contact you? How do they reach you? So if you want to get in my face, I am, I am glad to have you in my face. I have, uh, I'm very good with having people in my personal space. Um, <laughs> you can go, you can easily, the easiest way to get a hold of me is just to go on my website and that's www.writeforyou. So it's W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-Y-O-U.me.me. And then just hit me up on my contact form, or you can just click the discovery call right on my website. And then that gives us 20 minutes to chat with each other to see if we're a good personality fit um, to work together for ghostwriting and to see if your content 
um, is something. So right now I'm not writing fiction, but I pretty much write anything that's nonfiction um, as long as I, I call it like love and peace writing. So like I don't do any kind of hate speech or anything like that stuff's like, no, I don't want that in my space. I don't want that in my energy field. I don't want that anywhere near my house, like my cats, my dogs, <laughs> my hamsters. <laughs> So, so as long as you're a good person and, and your content is like clean, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be clean. It could be about sex or whatever like that. I don't care about as long as it's consensual, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I love to work with people on any, pretty much any nonfiction topic. So yeah, hit me up at www.writeforyou.me and then just either click on the discovery call or do the contact form. And I'd be glad to chat with you about your book. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Um, we're going to share all of those deets, all of those links in the show notes. Um, so just be aware of that. Uh, also, uh, hashtag promo code Grammarly. Like, we just need to go ahead and make that happen. Um, right? I don't need, I don't even know how, how just yet, but we'll connect those dots and figure it out. I'm always impressed, always impressed by the level of knowledge base by the quirkiness, by the tone, by the, the the excitement that you always exude when we talk. I love this. Thank you for being a guest today. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on. I love I love talking about creating things. That's just it's it's so my jam and so the core of like what I do. I love creating. And that's when when people are like, "Oh, you like to stay busy." I'm like, "No, no, no. It's not busy. Like I'm creating something for an end goal that's going to be a product. I don't do this just to be busy." So, yeah, so being a creator, I love like I was a creator ever since I was a little kid making mixtapes in the 80s. So, <laughs> hey. We know about that mixtapes. life right <laughs> Were you like a DJ? Like, were you mixing songs too? I gotta know. <laughs> well, 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 yeah. One of the things I did do was I did this kind of like little interviews where I would I would pretend I'm interviewing a famous pop star, and then I would I would take a little a little a little clip from a song and make it the answer. So I know I have these in my garage somewhere. I just have to get them out and Stop like audio it. record them. Yes. You are a genius. I love that. I absolutely love that. This it reminds me of like things I would do, like a project that, like literally, it's down to this. A friend of mine and I, we did a project for like it was an ancient Rome sort of thing we had to do in ninth grade, and our teacher, like we did it on a cassette tape back in ninth grade twenty years ago, because um, our teacher was like, you know what? Um, I, you two have this energy, like we're best friends. We're still best friends now. You have this energy. We go back and forth. She's like, you know, I want you to work on this project together. We made like an entire, um, it was like a sketch comedy kind of SNL sort of thing. And we added songs in between as like little interludes to get to the next act. And our teacher told us that she played this tape when she was like on her way home, like, you know, you know, trying to grade, get through things. And she almost crashed her car <laughs> because she was cracking up. She's like, it was the most, she's like, it was the best and most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. So I want to say it must be something with writers and music and like this weird sort of like journalism, creative energy. I don't know what it is, but like we all share that. Like every writer, every person who's ever like majored in English or who enjoys writing, we all have this weird, like not weird, bad, like weird, good. Yeah. Like quirky little, um, like we love music and there's always like something extra there. We love to like create these fantastical stories and skits. Like there's some drama in there. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, but it's definitely good drama. Yeah, no, for sure. I, yes, I love, yeah, the, I love the only kind of drama. <laughs> the oh, only kind of drama we want. <laughs> YouTube was a thing when I was a kid. I would have made a million dollars by the time I was 12 and a half. <laughs> you would have. You would have been the first YouTube millionaire. <laughs> the childhood millionaire. That would have been you. Like, that's yep. awesome. I love that. <laughs> Y'all, this is my cheeks are so like tight right now from smiling from ear to ear. You're like, 
peak massage. Huh? Right. It's, I need it right, right about now. I love this. I love I love everything about this conversation. This has been so helpful and fruitful for me. Um, for those yeah. listening out there, like I really hope like there, there's two things that I really want you to get out of this. One is writers are cool. And if you're a writer, you're cool too. And secondly, you need to hire Lynn to write your book. That's pretty much like the basis of this whole whole episode. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm a pretty fun and easy person to work with. Like, I'm not like one of those like, oh, it has to be this way because it's like you know everybody's so different and individual mm-hmm. that you need to respect who they are in their space and the way they want to present their information. And I really, I really love the opportunity to work with people in that in that as in that aspect because like I'm literally getting a chance to help these people, my clients, um, do a bucket list item. I mean, yes. how many times do you get to do that in your life, right? So it's just, it gives me goosebumps. Like I actually have goosebumps on my legs right now, but you can't see it because it's below the screen. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I think we're ready to move to our flash questionnaire. Cecily, is that cool? Okay, um, so we'll start off. Something new you've learned in the past year, life lesson, hobby, fun fact, etc. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. What was it? Oh my God. There was something I just learned and I can't think of what it was right now. Um, oh, yes, wait, no, wait, I know what it is. I know what I just got. Okay. So what I've learned in the past year is that farming is really effing hard. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't realize all of the stuff that went into farming until I took an Oregon State University does an online farm class. And so I did it last year when we first moved to Oregon because our farm is a farm and it's a tree farm and we're changing it into an agriculture farm where we're going to grow like some olives and and have some goats and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be so much fun, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm looking into all this stuff. I'm like, holy hell, like what, 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 how did that happen? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so many things to consider when you have a farm. Like especially in Oregon, because we have this thing called water rights. And so if you don't have water rights, you do not have a farm. Let me tell you that right now. It is like, oh, wow. I'm not even going to get into all that, that, that blah, blah, blah. But anyway, yes, <laughs> having a farm, what I learned is that having a farm is, has a lot of, has a lot of things you need to do. And it's very intensive. Absolutely. I think that's, we, we live in Kentucky. So we know that like, that's why farmers, the, their numbers are depleting because it's a hard job and, People like it's so much effort. Like it's a constant 24 seven. It's crazy. So thank you for bringing that to light. Yes. Um, Your favorite vacation or getaway spot. (gasps) Iceland. Ooh, that's an exotic one. I love that. Yes. Yes. And the reason why Iceland, that's the reason why Iceland is my favorite is because, so I used to live in Utah and I'm originally Mm -hmm. from Philadelphia. So I'm originally East coast girl, but um, uh, Southern Utah has the most amazing red rock formation. So if you've never been to Southern Utah and you haven't been to the national parks, so you got to go. If you need advice on when, how to, how to travel in the national parks, hit me up on my right for you.me. I can totally fill you in on how to do it the right way to avoid the crowds and the insane heat in the summer. Um, okay. So, so besides all that and the camping craziness that goes on in national parks, Iceland. So if you took Southern Utah and the red rock and put it in like the Northern hemisphere and took away all the red rock and made it all geologic formations and covered everything with three foot Mm -hmm. of moss and made magical waterfalls, rainbows, and ponies everywhere. That is Iceland. 
That's um, so that's your next move, right? Like you're going to have a farm in Iceland next. Like that's the next move. <laughs> that would be amazing. I love actually my next move to Iceland. So I went there on a cruise, which was fabulous. But the next time I go to Iceland, it's going to be in October because the local guide there who we had drive us around said October is the best time to see the Northern Lights. And I'm going to do get a camper van Ooh. and get some of my travel influencer friends, see if we can get the trip paid for and do a, the Ring of Fire, which is literally you drive around the major highway and the outskirts of Iceland. That's amazing. Well, please keep us updated when this happens. I want to see the pictures. I want to know the details. Oh, girl, it's going to be all over my Instagram. (laughs) That's amazing. That's really cool. Well, look, the more you know. (laughs) Um, So sweet snacks or savory snacks? Yes. (laughs) All of them. All the things. Yes. I love that snack, yes, yes. Uh, so, so snack. for me, as long as it's so there, because I'm celiac, I can't eat anything with gluten in it. So as long as it doesn't have gluten and corn, corn syrup, I can't eat anything with corn in it. So as long as it's free of gluten, corn, apples, sweet potatoes, there's like eight things I can't eat. Then yes. Okay. So yeah. Look at those parameters, and you can have it. <laughs> yes, yes. But I okay. love like my awesome. my things I've been on lately is um they're called skinny dipped cashews. So they're cashews mm-hmm. with like a sugar coating and then chocolate, but it's not a thick chocolate. It's a thin chocolate layer. So presumably you can eat more of them and get the same amount of calories. But when you eat the whole bag, it really doesn't make a difference. (laughs) That's what gets us. It's the bag. The serving size is the problem. It's like when you eat half the bag and you're like, oh crap, I just ate three servings. Oops. (laughs) Oops. Oopsie. Um, Harry Potter or Star Wars? Star Wars. Star. I tell people like the only reason I'm a Disney fan is because I was a Star Wars fan before freaking Disney bought it out. But I will say this. I am happy with the way like Disney has been doing Star Wars because I was afraid like Disney was going to get Star Wars. And then like Princess Leia would get her lightsaber and it would have flowers on the end of it. It's like, no, 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 no. We don't. We want Star Wars to be the hardcore science fiction like like you know cool women like conquering the universe like getting it done like i that's what i love about star wars and my second favorite is star trek and i love michael who is the new captain of the series yeah yeah she is my favorite (laughs) like if i want to be one person when i grow up i want to be michael from star trek okay that's all there is to it yes i love that i love the explanation too and i've heard a lot of people say that like especially with the mandalorian series that they're really happy with the direction Things of John. I just like Baby Yoda. Oh my God! Stop, there he is. My little friend. Oh, I am obsessed with Baby Yoda. I'm totally owning this. I have this doll. I have a He's bigger a doll. I have a little a desk thing with Baby Yoda on it. I have an apron, pot holders. Um. Oh my gosh. A mug. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh girl, don't. Yeah, you come over to my kitchen. You'll see it all. You're a real Baby fan. Yoda. I love it. I love that. Coloring book. I've got the Mandalorian coloring book. Yep. <laughs> That's am- I love that. For- I love that. And I just, I love the fact that you're a baby Yoda fan. Who could not be? Like, I was right? not into Star Wars before The Mandalorian, but then once Mandalorian came out, I was like, okay. Like, are I you even, like if, you, if you don't like baby Yoda, you are a human without feelings. That's right? all I got is- with you. Like, yes. you can't be in my circle at that point. No, you should be <laughs> yes. on Earth if you're a human being that doesn't like baby Yoda, because baby yes. Yoda is just freaking the most adorable character, so bar cute. none. Yes. So that's how we're weeding out our friends now and people yes. we want to be acquainted with. So do that's you the, like Baby Yoda? <laughs> that's the first question on my friend's questionnaire. Do you like Baby Yoda? That's if all we answer, need to know the answer to. <laughs> if the answer is maybe or no, I love it. Stop it, Daniel. I'm the only one who doesn't have one, but he's cute. And I bought Leah, I bought my son a Baby Yoda shirt. 
Yeah, the he's not, reason... I mean, he likes Yoda, but he's like, mom, like, he's okay, I guess. I'm like, no, he is the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. Yeah. That's the only is. reason I don't like my king size bed is because I can't find baby Yoda sheets to match it, to fit oh it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. You don't have to get them custom made, like Etsy, maybe. Right? Maybe on Etsy. I think. Maybe I'm just get pillowcases. <laughs> yeah, pillowcases and then matching sheets. Yeah. So when my husband comes home and he sees baby Yoda pillowcases, he'll now know why. <laughs> I'll tell you this video. Nothing. (laughs) I love that though. Um, I'm curious about your answer for this one. Digital books or physical books? Physical. Okay. I figured you'd say that, but just because you know you write so much and you you were talking about Google Docs and Grammarly, I'm like, maybe digital, but that's awesome. Yeah, I like well, the reason I like physical books is better is two reasons. One is because I love to highlight, like physically highlight the in the books. And I remember much better when I'm reading from a physical book and remember where the information is rather than read like a digital book. I'll forget the info, which is really funny because I read online all day, but, but like, as when I'm reading a book, I much rather have a paper book and I can't get one that's been used by someone else because someone else has all of their highlighting in. I'm like, uh, uh, no, no, no. I need my own fresh highlighting. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I hate opening a book. Like I remember renting books in college yes. and it'd be like, you know, some sort of a, a Shakespeare book and there'd be people's notes and I'd be like, ew, like I have to go buy the new copy now. Thanks. Right. <laughs> so yes, I understand that perfectly. Um, if you could go back in time, where would you go and whom would you see? Oh, that's a great question. I think, oh, there's so many good people to see back in time. Um, oh my gosh. There's so many good people to see. Um, I think I probably, I know, okay, there's several people on my list. One is Harriet Tubman, because she's an amazing woman. Um, Another, yep, Grace Hopper, because she was the first woman to do programming in tech. So she would be high on my list as well. Um, I'm completely blanking the name, but the gal from, um, uh, um, oh my gosh, the the space movie where she was the calculator, um, is hidden it? figures hidden figures yes. thank you i was thinking hidden minds but i knew that was yes so the woman from him like in real life if i could meet her she would be that would be a fantastic person to meet um Amazing. oh gosh there's a couple of oh um ginger rogers because she was the dancer with fred astaire they when they interviewed her they asked her so what do you do in respect to what you know um um what what your um Oh my gosh. So they asked her, what do you do in respect to what Fred Astaire does? She goes, I do everything he does except backwards and in heels. And I was like, you go girl. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) I love that. Those are amazing people. Like what an eclectic bunch of people. I love that. Yeah. I just love, I love, I love women who were like super pioneers of their time. Like when they stuck their neck out, when it really was not popular. Yes. And like so much pushback and so much like animosity and they still were like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you're just going to have to deal with it. And now we're here in the places we are because of them. So see, yes. amazing stuff. That's awesome. I love that. What are your love languages? Like, how do you like love to be expressed to you? Oh, oh, with love notes and, and audio, like audio, like, yeah, I keep telling my husband that he's not an audio person. I'm like, you need to tell me I look good. You need to tell me. And it's not that he doesn't think I look good. And I know he loves me, but it's like, guys don't think, right? Like guys are just like, oh, whatever. They come home from work, do whatever. And I I tell him now, so now I prompt him and like, we'll go on date night. And I'm like, so what do you think of my outfit? Do you you like this? Do you like this underwear? (laughs) 
do you like my hair today? <laughs> yes. Do you like my hair? What do you think? About? I yes. love that. I love so that. I have That's to prompt awesome. him and then he responds to me. So he he does respond. So it's not like he did, but yeah. So audio and, and writing notes to each other. So I just got back into the habit of putting paper in his thing and oh. a pen, because if I don't put a pen with it, he forgets and he'll write me little love notes and stuff like that. Um, and I'm a super snuggle person. Like I'm a full contact, like get naked, like let's just snuggle. <laughs> I love, she said, just, ah, come here. <laughs> yep. Just like, just like roll that. it, wrap it in there. Come on. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I think like you have this very warm energy. I can see it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the last but not least, the best part of being a grown up. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really funny, but that I can drive myself anywhere. No, that's great. That's the best. I think that is literally one of the best things. You don't have to wait on anyone. You don't have to be on anyone's time. You get to come and go as you please. I love it. Yes, I, I can yes. stand behind that. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Yeah, I, I always say anything because the reason is I love road trips. I love the freedom of road trips. And, and mm -hmm. like, and the other thing too, is I remember as a kid in my household, in my abusive environment being like, if I could just drive somewhere, I could like leave. Right. And so right. that's been like a thing with me. So yeah. And it, yeah. So anyway, yes. Driving, driving anywhere I want to I at any time I want to like, other than when I'm clearly working. <laughs> Cause you can't work. We can take breaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just drove to another state while we were on a break and then we'll be right, right back. It's fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's a whole that. new meaning to you go, girl. Like, right? oh, like a whole nother level. <laughs> you go. <laughs> you go and just keep going until you hit the coast. <laughs> yes. All right. Oh, my gosh. This has been such a great conversation, Lynn. Thank you so much. Your time, well, you. your wisdom, your energy, your light. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Well, yes. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for having this opportunity to chat with you, too. This has been so, so much fun. It has been so good. I'm so glad I got to meet you. Like, this is just, it's the energy is just, ah, it's where it should be. We've got Baby yeah. Yoda. We've got, you know, women back in time. We've got physical books. Like, what more do we need? Literally. I think if all three of us lived in the same city, the, the world would be challenged because we'd be like all throwing the energy out there and be like, whoa. It'd be like a, a just a solar surge of energy. People would be like, there's some like crazy activity going on over there in McMinnville. <laughs> it would be a nuclear blast of feminine energy. Just like, Literally. Yes. <laughs> yes. You ready for that? It's a whole nother global warming. Let's go. Yes. yes the, the good kind. <laughs> the yes. global warming. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. Well, to wrap all of this up, uh, thank you all for listening to the More Than Graphics podcast. Um, we invite you to subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Send us your feedback on Facebook or Twitter on how our life stories and virtual safe spaces are helping educate, empower, or encourage you. Always check out our website at mtgthepodcast.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive behind-the-scenes moments like Clubhouse happening twice a month at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So until next time, everybody. Bye. And just like that, the episode ends, but the convo has just begun. Thanks for listening to the MDG podcast. We want to hear from you. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it a review on your listening app of choice. Continue to follow us across MTG social and look out for bonus content releases throughout the year. This podcast is produced by Octane Design Studios. Until next time, friend.